0: So let's turn in our Bibles to James chapter 3, and we're going to be starting in verse 1. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that's another whole sermon. Uh, We're going to focus on the next part. We all stumble in many ways. Those who are never at fault in what they say are perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. The title of uh, this morning's uh, message is Words Gone Wild. And uh, like kudzu that takes root and takes over in our lives, our words can be a source of hurt and pain in our relationships. But they also have the power for great good. And James is saying if we can get a handle on this area of our life that we've won the the battle, we will uh, have the control that we need in all the areas of our lives. And what a great promise, huh? It isn't easy, though, is it? And uh, James goes on in in this chapter, and he shows us how difficult it really is. So reading now in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses, we make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go, like a bicycle, right? Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Ouch. <laughs> All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by human beings. But no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow. Our words have power. Uh, in fact, in Proverbs eighteen twenty one, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And uh, so to help us kind of... Uh, Make sure that we're applying this message I I, I made a list of some things That are signs of an untamed tongue That are indicators That our words have gone wild We're just going to look at some of these It's just the short list Uh, But when you find yourself Taking a cheap shot behind someone's back When you gossip Even if it's disguised as a prayer request I might add when you I didn't have to, okay. When you repeat rumors, when you use words that are divisive, especially in the church, when you use judgmental words, when you pass on something you were told in confidence, when you trash talk Does everybody know what trash talk is, or I need to explain that? No, I don't think so. Okay. When you make other people look bad to make yourself look better, when you dismiss a put down by saying "I was only joking," when you use words that instill fear instead of faith, and I thought that was probably enough to get to get y'all kind of like on board that uh, this message is for me, this message is for you. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and we can use words for to praise God and to build others up or to do damage and to hurt others. So James goes on with this word of exhortation. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And it doesn't have to be. While James says that no one can tame the tongue, we can control our words. We can keep them in check. And the question then is, how do we do that? What are some things that we can do to help us with that? And in your message notes, we're going to look at some ways that we can gain ground in overcoming uh, words gone wild. And the first thing that we can do... uh, that is a really important piece in gaining control of our words, is to gain control uh, over another part and attend to it, which is the fountain or the source from which our words flow, and that's our heart. Uh, Jesus said this in Luke 6.45, Good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their heart, and evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our hearts are the target of the enemy. Uh, One moment they're full of praise, and the next moment they're taken over, taken captive by our uh, anger or other emotions. And we have to be careful of and take note of uh, what our emotions are doing, what's welling up inside of us, because that's when we are at risk for saying something that we'll regret later. If we will just attend to what's happening in our heart, it will keep us from saying something we didn't mean to say. So, we, the first thing we can do is pay attention to what's going on in, our, in your heart. Um, this past Monday, on my day off, I got up, I had a glass of water. And it was so good and refreshing that I just gave God thanks for it. And then I was thinking, you know, it was one of those moments when you realize that here's something in your life that is a part of your life every day and you take take it for granted. And so I just thanked God for that glass of water. And then I was thanking him for indoor plumbing because, you know, I didn't have to walk a, a mile to get that glass of water and, and i just kind of went from there to to thank god for you know the water that hydrates our bodies and i looked outside and um thanked him for all the the nice weather we had all summer that we had such great crops you know the apples are growing on the trees in the backyard and and uh just an abundance of apples this year and thanking him for the nice green lawn you know forrest didn't have to water hardly at all this year and and uh just thanking him for water and then i then i noticed our uh, the bluebird house that forrest had put up for me um a few years back and i was watching the bluebirds land on that house and thanking god for water in their bird bath you know just really enjoying these birds and And uh, giving God thanks. And I thought, what if I just spent my day off really focusing on the blessings that God has given me, praising him, just use this day as a day of thanksgiving and praise. And I had some uh, church conference reports I had to do, but I was determined to, you know, just focus on God and give him all the praise. And as I'm thinking this, I'm watching the bluebirds, and they're landing on the house, and they're looking in the hole, but they're not going in the house so I'm kind of wondering what's going on there. And then this female sparrow lands on the house and goes inside. And I see this fluttering and wings, you know, like there's a fight going on in there. And I don't know if you know anything about bluebirds, but a sparrow will go in and kill a bluebird if it's like sitting on their nest or whatever. They're very uh, aggressive with The bluebird, so I'm seeing this fight, and I'm thinking, oh, it's killing my bluebird, you know. (laughs) And then this this female sparrow comes flying out, and I'm kind of relieved until I see this head pop up in the hole, and it's a male sparrow. And my heart that just moments before was rejoicing and praising God was consumed by one thought: that bird has to die. Being honest with you, <laughs> I began to plot its des- demise. <laughs> I thought if I had a pellet gun, I would wipe that little grin off its beak. You know, it's just like I wondered if I could be fast enough to stuff a sock in the hole, you know, and then duct tape it. <laughs> and one thought I thought was particularly troubling get, since I had just been giving God thanks for water. <laughs> was what if I stuck a hose in there (laughs) and just drowned that little bugger, you know. (laughs) Uh, I'm protective now. (laughs) But here's the thing. I knew I couldn't kill that bird. God's word said, Jesus said, God knows every sparrow that falls. (laughs) I've begun to hate that song. His eye (laughs) eye is on the sparrow, you know. It just (laughs) ruins it. But anyway. So he sits there and he's making a mess of my heart. You know, I'm just angry, but I can't do anything about it. And isn't that how it is in our lives? You know, uh, we come to church, we're ready to worship, and there's Ida May in our pew again, you know, <laughs> sitting on our cushion that we brought. Or maybe you're going home from church and the kids spill the coffee hour punch in your car, or you get home and you pull into the driveway and the neighbor's dog has gotten into your trash can again, or your, your spouse says something or does something that just really sets you off and... Whatever it is that turns your heart from a stream of living water, praising God, to criticizing, judging, maybe even wanting to harm another person, and not harm them in a, you know, in a way that would hurt them, but just to you know, tell them to stick a sock in it, you know, <laughs> or any of that list that we looked at earlier. <laughs> if you're going to be able to keep good words coming and hold back the harmful ones, You have to be able to attend to what's going on in your heart. You have to recalibrate your heart before you speak. Get it in line with God's heart and God's perspective. And and I think that a great example of someone who didn't do this and paid the price was Judas. Um, In the 12th chapter of John, we read the story of um, Jesus and Mary. And it takes place right after Jesus has raised uh, Lazarus from the dead. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus have Jesus over to their home. And during that meal, Mary comes with some perfume. And it says it's a pint of pure nard. And I looked it up. uh, It's like a year's wages. So depending on how much you you make, you know, maybe like $50,000 worth of of perfume in, and she dumps this on Jesus feet. And it says the fragrance filled the room. What a what a beautiful scene. But it says in John 12:4 But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who would betray him, said, that perfume was worth a small fortune. It should have been sold and the money given To the poor. And it goes on and says, Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief who was in charge of the disciples' funds, and he often took some of it for his own use. Uh, Judah's heart was a mess inside, and he he couldn't see the honor that Jesus was receiving and what Mary was doing. He only saw that what would have benefited him was being poured out on someone else. And it angered him so much that he had to say something. And, of course, he couldn't say, hey, wait a minute, I was going to buy add an addition to my room, my house with that, you know. Uh, so he cloaks it in righteous motives, and he, and he pretends that he's being a voice for the poor. And, you know, none of us would have done that. Uh, but if you think about someone coming in to the church and pouring out $50,000 worth of perfume on the altar in honor of God, I think there might be some grumbling and complaining about the use of resources in this church. Uh, we might miss what that person is doing to honor God. And sometimes, in the midst of our trying to do good and serve God, we lose perspective on what God is doing and what really matters. And we'll go a long ways in gaining control of our words if we continually focus on. What is the mission? What honors God? What makes His love most visible? Those are the things that God cares about. Uh, in John twelve seven, Jesus replied, "Leave her alone. She did it, and she did it in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but I will not always be here. But I will not be here much longer." Um, Judas was so consumed with the junk in his heart that he didn't hear Jesus' words, you won't have me here much longer. He missed that. And um, it says in Matthew's gospel that he went out at that point and he spoke these words to the Jewish leaders, what are you willing to give me to deliver him to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Wouldn't... You feel your emotions rising up in you and taking over. Attend to your heart. Stop and recognize that something is amiss. Identify what that is before you speak. That's the next step, actually, to stopping the flow of toxic words. When you feel anger taking your heart captive, then the second thing we can do is be slow to speak. Let the Holy Spirit guide your output. Uh, Proceed with caution when you speak. And and you'll find this all the the way through Scripture. We looked at a passage from James uh, 1.19 a few weeks ago. It was actually a memory verse, so some of you may be able to repeat this by memory. But my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1.19. Quick to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Just take a time out. Wait for your heart and your emotions to settle down. Uh, Everyone knows what a time out is, right? Anybody got kids? All right. A time out gives us time to regroup and and, uh, to think about what we're going to say. Proverbs 15.28 says, The godly think before speaking. The wicked spout evil words. And then in Proverbs twenty nine twenty says, There's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. So We just need to slow our words. And once we do that, we'll be able to speak words that build others up and they're helpful to them. And then the third thing that we can do is to pray. One of the reasons that we yell at people is that we haven't been praying for them. Um, and or we haven't been praying about a situation and uh, haven't prayed and cried out to God for his help. God can't begin his work until we end ours. <laughs> as long as we're trying to have our way, we're holding on to a grudge, we're uh, feeding bitterness in our hearts, we're not in the place yet where God can take over and take and turn things around. Uh, scripture says, when we are weak, he is strong. Right. When we admit that we can't do this, that we need his help, when we turn to God, then he's able to release his power. And you know, you're le- less likely to think that you have to say something if you're turning it over to God in prayer, uh, letting God lead you. And then, and then, um, if you're you're turning it over to god in prayer then you'll be more likely to say the right thing when you do speak because you've been hearing from god All right and then the fourth thing choose your words to bless god and accomplish his purposes uh... why do we tame animals we make them we tame them to make them useful for our purposes and and we tame the tongue to make it useful for god's purposes and our memory verse this week comes from Psalm 34 1. So let's read it together. Psalm 34 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. Psalm 34 1. What if this week when you're tempted to use your words in a way that doesn't build others up and doesn't fulfill God's purposes, why don't you repeat that scripture? Memorize it. uh, Just have it ready there. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will be continually on my mouth instead of letting your words run wild. um, Begin to use your words for God's purposes. God wants your marriage to thrive. He wants your children to grow to their potential. He wants the church to be vital and growing. And our words have the power to move things in a good direction. If you want to change the direction of a relationship, um Change the declaration of your lips um, at the beginning of creation. God spoke everything into existence, and I wonder what it would be like if we spoke into existence some things that are in line with god's purposes instead of talking about how bad things are if we talked about how big our God is instead of complaining about the one thing that your spouse didn't get done on his day off. <laughs> Uh, if you noticed all the other things that he did do and praised him for those. Instead of berating a child if, if you spoke continually about his or her potential. This week we have the opportunity to open our mouth and give life, life to build up and bless others. And here's the challenge this week, uh, to continually bless God and speak life into other people. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to practice that right now. Just turn to somebody next to you. And um, say something life-giving to them. You know, God is good, or I'm so glad you're part of this church family, or something life-giving. Think of something. And that choir sounded awesome today. We should... uh... All right, I'm a little worried about this corner up here, but (laughs) you have the potential to speak words for God's purposes this week. Why not invite somebody to church next week? That's a great way to use your words. Choose to bless the Lord, keep his praises continuing on your lips, and speak life into those around you. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Uh, We thank you that we can speak that we have a way to communicate and express the things that are in our hearts. Forgive us for the times when, uh, God, we let out words that aren't helpful and that are hurtful. And help us, God, to always uh, recognize the ways that we have in front of us each day to build up others, to strengthen them, to build up your church. Uh, God, to encourage, to love on people, to, to Help them to be all that you created them to be through our words. Help us to use our words wisely, God, for your glory and for your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.